Picks or it didn't happen. Guys, welcome to the show that takes pictures of dead animals and will send them to your ex-lover. It's the Messed Up at Midnight Podcast. I am your host, Max Steele, and as always, I'm joined by a real scholar of 80s slasher movies. It's Michael Flaherty, everyone. Uh... We're gonna move. We're, we're yeah, yeah. It's, thanks, buddy. I am. I I do know my eighty slashers. Uh, yeah. That's two or three on the Patreon, everybody. We will. We'll. We're gonna. We're gonna mail mail your scorned lovers in your life pictures of pictures of roadkill and dead animals. It's like it's like a it's like it's like pre in pre streaming Netflix. And listen, if you if you donate, uh, you know, to our highest tier on Patreon, guess what? We will come to your house, clean the entire thing, record an episode with you on whatever movie or TV show you want us to cover. Just lay, just laying that out there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The secret, the secret t- one tier higher than that, and we'll reenact a live leak video of your choosing <laughs> in your front lawn too. <laughs> it gets a lot let, darker as let, the tears let, go up. Listen, it's either that or, or uh, we reenact Bucky Larson the entirety for you. <laughs> it's an it's an improv like moment going on in the front lawn. So, guys, today we are going to be talking about the 1989 slasher movie Dark Room, and it's about a killer who takes pictures of his victims that invades an isolated farmhouse, and that's. That's really it. Mike, what did you think of Dark Room? This is quintessential 80s horror movies. It's I can I can already I can already smell the coke in the air and the and the hairspray as the executives went, "Give me a horror movie in one sentence." And it went photo serial killer in the woods raiding a cabin. And they're like, "Good. Good enough. We'll do it." Like it's this movie is cool is the quintessential you know what fuck it like how about a photo horror movie it's it's so lowbrow it's so made for nothing and it was and it was an idea that was shat out in the writer's room that was picked out from the garbage can and you know what i love it i love how garbage this is it feels like we're back at our roots of who we are as a podcast. <laughs> Listen, I will say that this movie is averagely bad. Like, there's, mm-hmm. I can't really say that there was anything really stand out about this movie that, you know, you should go out of your way to check out. But, like, again, the acting is low-budget schlocky. We got some mid-kills, no real jokes, Bad twist, but does have that low-budget charm to it, which, if that's what you're into, I think you're going to have a good time with this one. I'll go into more details about, you know, the specifics of it later, but I did mention a twist uh, earlier with this movie, which I'm not going to say what that twist is until we get to our spoiler section. The twist was actually revealed in the trailer and VHS artwork (laughs) of Darkroom. Like, you know. spoiling, like, any surprise that this movie could throw at you. Like, the tension's just, like, it's gone. It's like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Shout out to the, you know what, shout out to the movie for foreseeing the late 20, the mid to late 2010s trend 
of just telling everyone the 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 uh, the ending in the trailer. You know, they really they really set they really paved the road for Marvel to travel down. And I really, you know what? Hats off to them. Hats off to them. And also, they can go fuck themselves because oh my god, I I'm so glad I went into this without watching the trailer and only briefly glimpsing at the VHS cover. <laughs> I mean, is it really that hard to find, like, different artwork for your cover? And I'm here to tell you, yes, yes it is. I made a press kit for a short film, and it's very easy to find shots that don't spoil your fucking movie. It's great. It's great. It's Again, it also falls into that 80s horror movie uh, promo poster sort of thing where it's like all the really cool artwork mm-hmm. and it, it feels like they kind of just half-ass kind of went oh yeah here's yeah it's got to tell like beats of the story and so they just gave the person the prompt and the in the twist and then they incorporated it in and they went well there goes our budget so i guess we're gonna run with it and that's kind of just what happened it's so awful like i don't understand why they did it at all <laughs> Dude, man, I I miss us covering these schlocky, like, B-movie horror movies from, like, the 80s and the, like, you know, it's, way back. Like, oh, I think if I, have, if I have to say, I love covering, obviously, the cheesy horror movies first and then, like, straight to DVD MMA movies second. Like, it's like a one, <laughs> like a one and a two. It's, it's the, it's. It's always cheesy horror movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's always that run. And then, at a distant second, is never back down in Mortal Kombat. Fuck yeah, man. Exactly. (laughs) I'll throw the dragon lives again in there, too. Why not? Uh, But fuck yeah. But getting back to Dark Room, normally with these B-movie, like, independent slashers, they tend to kind of live on an island of their own. Like, no-name actors where this is, like, their only IMDb credit. Uh, Sometimes, but not always. Like, for instance, in Darkroom, uh, the actor that plays Steve would go on to appear in 16 episodes of General Hospital and have, like, a bit part in the 2012 sequel to The Collector, The Collection. And I'm like, cool, good for him. And even looking behind the scenes, you see, like, people, you know, maybe maybe they make a career of, you know, directing B-movies or these straight-to-DVD, straight-to-VHS slashers. You know, some of them go on to bigger and better things. Others fall into obscurity. Now, director Terrence O'Hara, this was his first film, but he would bounce back by directing 56 episodes of NCIS, 29 episodes of NCIS Los Los Angeles, 13 episodes of Grimm, 2 episodes of Sons of Anarchy, 12 episodes of Smallville, 10 episodes of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and many, many more. Mike, this guy would go on to have a career in television. That's awesome. It's, it's him and the guy from Judge Dredd. The two of them just just did the fusion dance and decided they were like time to do NCIS. <laughs> so it's more in, so it's also a little bit more interesting. Uh, what about the producer and Weirdly enough, the director of the opening title sequence, uh, Nico, I'm going to butcher this one, Nico Masterakis. He has directed such <laughs> films as 1976's Island of the Island of Death. Island of Death. Words are hard. Uh, 1986's Blind Date and The Zero Boys. And he has also had uh, another controversy. Uh, this is Nico Masterakis. 
that I will be reading from his directly from his Wikipedia page. Oh no. <laughs> uh Junta controversy. It, uh by the way, uh the uh, Nico is Greek. I should preface it. I should have said that. In the aftermath of the 1973 Athens Polytech uprising, the regime made use of Mastarakis's popularity to repair its public image. An interview was set up and broadcast during which he, uh, Nico, interviewed in prison a number of students who had been arrested during the events. Mastarakis claimed that he had he had guarantees from the Minister of Press. I'm not going to say that name, that the interview would not be censored and that the students would not be prosecuted for speaking freely. After the fall of the regime in 1974, the students were released from prison and stated that they had been beaten and threatened with legal and extra legal punishments unless they cooperated with the interview. Nico Mastarakis himself claimed that he had been coerced into making the show, but his popularity had evaporated and the new city management of the Greek TV stations wanted nothing to do with him. Whoa, my God. What? There's, the I'm, sure that, I'm sure that we are just kind of scratching the surface, but that somehow getting involved with this B movie that was made in the, the dying breath of the 80s confuses me it it confuses it's, me mike why did we do why did we do farmhouse slasher when we had freaking argo going on over in greece like holy shit the the man was living a movie in 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 so many bad ways in so many bad ways and then they were just like Nah, let's just let's get back to the farmhouse mystery gang. <laughs> like, what the hell? This man was interviewing prisoners of, I guess, prisoners of rebellion. I don't know what to call them. And I, I'm not familiar with the issue, so. Oh my god! I yeah. Damn, Nico! <laughs> Didn't know you got down like that. Whatever that is, I, d I don't know what I don't know what to refer to it as. But it, anyways, getting away from the you know big scary stuff, we're here to talk about silly darkroom movie. Uh, Mike, if you could describe darkroom as a cocktail, what would it be and why? Just hard escalate, hard, just hard pivot right I'd, now. It's exactly. I, I do. I do love the. I do love the segue when you just go. You know what? We're done. Moving <laughs> on. All right. It's all right, everybody. Uh, this is after Son of the Mask. This movie was a welcomed reprieve for me. So you're gonna see that reflected in my cocktail. I don't think it's gonna be good. But you're going to see a noticeable uptick in quality because damn, was this a breath of fresh air. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, this takes place in bumfuck, like mid California region. Mm -hmm. I can tell by the, the, the hills that is California as hell. So, I and I wanted and and you know they got the little bit of the farmhouse thing going on, so I wanted to get a cocktail that had very big white farmhouse energy. <laughs> and what better cocktail than the southern delicacy drank by so many 
Southerners in big old white houses, the mint julep. But we're going to California it a little bit. So <laughs> mint juleps, for those of you that don't know, uh, require uh, two ounces of bourbon whiskey, four sprigs of mint, uh, sugar, uh, sugar cubes, and then uh, some some water and, you know, fill it up with like soda water or some shit like that. It's delicious. Love, love a mint julep. This is California, so we're going to fuck it up. Okay. This movie, what liquor is it at its base? You could absolutely call it vodka. Totally fair. It is not servicing anything really in particular, but it doesn't feel... I'm not getting vodka from this. It doesn't feel bland enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick a I'm going to pick a Bacardi Gold Rum because mm-hmm. because it's got more than the average crap that we review on this freaking channel, but it's also not very good. So, bring out the rum. It's fun, it's silly. You're going to laugh and get the party started with this movie, but Maybe not get the party started. Keep the party going. How about that? That's better said. So two ounces. Next, we have our four sprigs of mint. We're not going to do that. We don't have that. We have these fun, interesting characters. We've got Janet, our leading lady, our final girl. (laughs) Brunette woman number seven. She's here. So grab a mint sprig. Pop that in. We have our our dude, our the main male love interest, Steve. He looks like he calls people nerds and shoves them into lockers in his free time. So, um, I feel like I'm tr- I'm trying to think of frat guy mint equivalents because I I just feel like that's not a thing that frat guys have. So, grab a thing of rosemary. Is it the same? Not even close. But you know, I feel like I feel like that'd be a logical. Next step. Okay, moving on. We have Mark, the other brother, or no, the brother. Uh, he's here, and he has lines. So he, for being a bland, useless person, uh, put in another mint sprig. He's pointless. Next, we have Perry. Perry's weird. Perry has weird energy. Every time Perry's in the room, you're like, the vibes are a little weirder. Perry looks like that skinny guy who just stares at people, but doesn't mean, but but he, he doesn't mean ma- maliciousness. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, he's kind of a little odd. So put in a basil leaf because he's odd. He's out there. You're not expecting it. But you know what? Just drop that in. Finally, we have my favorite character of the bunch, Cindy. (laughs) Cindy needs to chill the fuck out. I don't know what Cindy's on, but Cindy needs to take it the fuck back. So put in a small bit of of Chinese ginseng. For those of you who don't know, ginseng is what goes into Red Bull and Monster. Um, uh, Next, we have lackluster bad kills. We gotta replace the sugar cubes. So put in half an ounce of grenadine. Finally, we got the water. That's the that's the that's the part that usually goes in with the sugar cube. I'm using this to put in the 
to double team with the mom and the setting of the overall place because the setting is so damn boring and so is the mom. Uh, yeah, drop into a mason jar because it's country and yeah, that's my drink. You just you just you have to go to the have to go to the store get you some get you a lot of herbs there. Absolutely, herbs, some, some. it's an herbaceous cocktail. <laughs> dare I say? Cindy does need to chill the fuck out. Like she I'm so to, glad. I'm dude, so glad you she, mentioned that. She needs to chill the fuck out. I I, I still want to talk about Cindy, dude. We, and we will. And we will. An interesting. I feel like we don't get a lot of rum drinks on this podcast, so I'm glad that you were able to make it fit within the movie. Um, yeah, sure, fuck it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I went in another direction than you. Um, but yeah, sure, sounds um like a lot of shits in, like a lot of flavors coming to you. <laughs> it's a lot at you, a lot coming at you. <laughs> So Mike, I fuck with your drink. Okay. Now, we got a bog standard 80s slasher movie set with like, you know, photography is like the gimmick, I guess. There's not a whole lot of silliness with this movie. It's like it's like a B movie that's really trying to like, you know, play it serious. Now, what's the base? Okay. Now, Mike said rum. I did not say vodka. I did not say whiskey. I didn't say bourbon. I didn't say gin. I didn't even say wine. I'm gonna say light beer. Hell I'm yeah. thinking like a like a Miller Light because it doesn't have the air of like douchiness like a Michelob Ultra or a Natty Light would have. It doesn't have like you know the cheap cool factor that like a Corona or a Modelo has. And you know hipsters might not like this movie because you know they they, they drink PBR with Miller Light. It's like you know what you're getting. It you know what you're getting and. That can be good if, you know, served cold and fresh and, you know, it has its audience, kind of like horror movies. So grab your red Solo cup, pour in about halfway, eight ounces. Next, you're going to leave it out for a bit. Let it get flat and, you know, a bit warm. Have it, you know, lose any interest. Next, this movie doesn't naturally have any, like, fun or camp with it. The, the fun in camp only comes from the bad acting and the bad production. Let's say two ounces of Campari. But but wait, but it's a slasher movie. We have blood. We have kills. So grab two ounces of grenadine, pour that in. And because this movie doesn't have the best kills, let's also mix in two ounces of bog standard tap water. Next, like I mentioned, the reveal of who the killer is. This movie and its promotion just revealed it so we don't have a twist. A twist. Twisted tea, two ounces into your drink. Now mix that all together. Finally, I want you to go onto YouTube, look up birds chirping for 10 hours, play that at max volume, then try to have a conversation with your friend at like y'all's regular volume. Yeah, that's the movie. My goodness. I Again, glad you touched on the birds chirping, much like uh, I touched on Cindy's antics. Uh, why is the audio for the birds so prominent? It feels like a I don't nature mic. It's I don't so know. wild. That being said, that being said, I respect the choice of beer. I do. I do. Twisted tea, holy shit. Oh my god. Alright. It's, it's I don't there's not a, there's not enough visceral f- 
like brutality with a punch to the face that I feel like would qualify a twisted T. But I, I understand where you're going with it. I do. I do. So I can I can mess with it. I can mess with it. It sounds like a gross drink, but I, I get it. I get it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we try to gross each other out here. So guys, exactly. go crack go crack open your drink of choice and let's dive headfirst into talking about dark room. Because again, we're going to be going through our brand new format, going through the positives, negatives. Then we're going to give our overall opinions and then get right into spoiler territory. And we're going to start off with the positives. And the first major positive I have to give this movie is that the mullet is back on this podcast, Mike. Finally, it has been a minute since we've had a good mullet on the show. You know what? We were suffering in silence, Max. The mullet drought of 2023 was a real one, and it was a visceral one. It's we 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 held out hope for a few of these 80, 80s movies to really bring it in, but you know what? They fell flat. It was it was tough out here. You know what, listeners? We try and internalize a lot of these struggles we have, but you know, hindsight twenty twenty. It's it feels refreshing that we have a mullet, and I will say. An intense mullet at that. Dude, that is a capital M mullet there. It's, dude. Steve did not half-ass his mullet. It was it is is it is business up front party in the back. And and it's my god, it looks like it looks like a wet mop in the back, just jumbled up and in mullet form. <laughs> like I'd say it's a preppy mullet for sure, but like mm-hmm. it is so glorious. Like, you it's, know, when he's walking, sometimes the mullet, like, jumps along with him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got this, it has very big, do you know who my dad is, energy with the mullet. Like, I could, I could see that mullet being on top of a frat boy as he's getting booked by a cop outside of a bar. He was a little too rowdy at. <laughs> well, dude, yeah, the mullet, the mullets, we got to get more mullets. We got to go back into the 80s, man. We, we <laughs> need to, so we can bring the mullet back, dude. The mullet is back. I'm telling you, just give it a few, just give it a few moments. It's, it's going to creep its way into 20, into late 2020s cinema. I'm I'm calling it. Dude, I'm really surprised we didn't have any mullets in uh, Barbie month, but you know, we're, we're going to move past that. Uh, another positive I have for dark room is the opening title sequence. It looks pretty fire. Like I it's like it. Pre- I it's really cool. like it. It's pretty it, fire. I, I I sat there and I was watching it as they were doing it, and I went, "Okay, okay, hats off. This is pretty cool." I'm gonna be honest. You know what, Nico? Even though you were interviewing prisoners of war who were coerced into into propaganda, at least you made something cool. At least yeah. your hats off. And for those who haven't seen the movie, it's like it takes place in a photo developing lab with like a red hue and the credits are on like pieces of paper used for like, you know, uh, photos. I like how it's a physical thing. It's not just like words on screen. Like when he moves, like it feels like naturally a part of the scene. Like it's just, you know, and we get random like insert shots of like different things in the lab that really set the mood to the point where like as I was watching this opening title, like this title sequence was so effective that – for the first like 30 minutes of the movie, I was with it. I was like, okay, movie, you you, you started off hot. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Show me so show me something cool. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The movie shot its wad in the first 30 seconds. It was like it came out swinging for the freaking fences. 
And it just, it whiffed. It essentially came out to the coolest, like, walk-up song, pointed, like, Babe Ruth to the center field, and everyone was like, oh, shit! And then it just struck out. It was just, it was such a disappointing beginning. But this leads me into my pro, and it is such a contingent pro based off of the past movies that we've watched. The story is coherent, everybody. Come on, clap with me, everybody. Clap with me. The story makes sense. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Son of the Mask and Jamie Kennedy, take fucking notes. Uh, Listen, me and Mike were literally just talking before we started recording. How We were like, our standards of movies have just fucking plummeted. When we see like a movie that has like, you know, a coherent story, a, you know, perfectly adequate acting, we're like, this is great we're back baby we are so back dude exactly exactly you know how like leonard malton and siskel and ebert were widely regarded for being auteurs of cinema who really engrossed themselves in only what the best that movies had to offer we're the opposite we're the siskel and ebert of the dumpster out behind your local amc it is it's rough out here and we're picking up the slop but you know what sometimes we eat good sometimes they throw a steak out back listen man we're siskel and ebert if we recorded inside of a waffle house dumpster absolutely absolutely it's a lot of cigarette butts and you won't pussy Now, now with Darkroom, dude, I will also say that there was maybe like one kill in this movie where I was like, okay, that's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, it was a it was a stabbing scene in a car. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll absolutely agree with that. I do think that I think that the movie with the kills. That's a whole different con, and we'll get into that when we get into it. But I'll say some of the kills are great. There's, like, again, I agree with you. The stabbing kill is really cool. I will also prop up the the ending kill. We're not going to talk about it until the spoiler section. There is something to be said about it. I think there could have been a shitload done better with it oh yeah but Mm -hmm. it definitely it's of all of the kills that happened i was kind of like okay okay all right i'm seeing something here i'm seeing something here but we'll we'll talk about that in the spoiler and i will also give some positives towards there are some shots in this movie that do look good there's one shot in particular at the end that has like this really nice red hue on the back of a character that looks awesome we get like like I mentioned with the title sequence, some extreme close-ups of the photography lab, as well as like you know a uniquely lit like hand or like a part of something. Some cool uses of uh, blue lighting with some flashbacks, and you know the shots in this movie for the most part are well composed. Mm-hmm. But when it takes place, when we go into the house or when it's daytime, everything else just feels so flat and uninteresting which really sucks because that's like 85 percent of the movie yeah it it really does hurt when you're inside of the house it feels i don't know how they managed to make this house bland and how they managed to make the outside in the countryside of 
California mm-hmm. bland. The fact that they were able to do that when they have rolling mountains and like bright sunny skies, like the fact that they were not able to make it encapsulating is shocking to say the least. Right. But they, they biffed it. They really biffed it. And it really does take a lot of the wind out of it. That being said, when the movie is within a dark room or when it's within like when it's nighttime, it gets a lot better. But the dark mm. rooms, oh my god, the movie the movie can count can do good composition in dark rooms. Like mm-hmm. I actually really will give give the person props. Like I feel like they did a decent job with setting stuff up. And again, that really just ultimately comes down to those extreme close-ups that we see scattered throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there any other positives that you wanted to focus on? Because th- that's really all that I it's, had. So, so, okay. All right. I'm going to get into the intangible subjective positives. I have two of them. Okay. Okay. This movie's vibe is precisely the vibe you 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 expect out of an 80s horror movie. Like, it's got mm-hmm. that intangible charm to it that makes you sit down and go... Oh yeah, no, this is what I meant when I said I want to watch a crappy 80s movie. Like it has that that piece to it. It doesn't carry through with it from start to finish, but it definitely the first like minute to 5 minutes definitely has that 80s cheesy schlock to it that really does draw someone like, you know, me in which can that's hey that could be a con or a pro depending on depending on where you stand but i really think there's something to be said about that and also to that effect the acting they didn't it wasn't they didn't i they didn't shoot for this some of the acting in this is hilarious like i'll let i'll let you finish (laughs) some actors go so hard in the paint and they don't need to some actors go so hard on the one note that their characters were written for that it's just amazing like like we said like i said to my drink cindy shouts out to that actress because she just cries and yells the entire time dude her evo is the best it is she's got her character has three things and she goes for it it is i want to fuck steve's brains out i want to cry and i want to scream those are the three things that cindy does and it is like it is every single word out of this woman's mouth is one of those three things it is and you were like at a certain point i was just i couldn't even take the movie seriously when she was on screen because it would be like something serious where it was like where it was like uh, steve janet and her were like like they came across a a cadaver and they were like oh my god we need to mobilize it's we go and grab something. Steve and Jane is like, Steve, go and grab something long and hard to defend to defend us. And she's like, mm, I think of something long and hard. And you're like, girl, come the fuck on. <laughs> you're like, you're like, Sydney, please. Dude, the acting in this movie, like everyone in this movie just like they know it's like student film levels of bad. And I acted mm-hmm. in student films. I'm not trying to oh, put yeah. that up on a pedestal. Every bit of acting in this movie 
feels like the first take and they were just like, you know, doing a run through because nobody read the script. It's hysterical. It's so funny. I live for it. It is so great because you have because you have plenty of those like student film acting level actors in this movie like like Janet. Mm-hmm. Janet is so middle of the road in terms of acting. You're kind of like, yeah, whatever. Well, dude, because like, her character never felt like actually scared or emotionally vulnerable. No. And, and like, I'm not sure if that's like a. I think it's a combination of like the writing and like her performance and the direction that was given. Like, she's just kind of like, what are you gonna do? Kill me? Exactly. Okay, fine. It's like, it, that's it, it. She felt so. It, it felt like she was inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. by by the killer being about it, it, mm-hmm. rather than being horrified like you know what at least cindy was screaming crying and throwing up while she was like throwing herself at steve you know what at least something was occurring there like janet was just janet was just mobilizing and listen steve he's he's not out of the question either like he gets over his emotions so quickly there is like <laughs> zero urgency with his performance like when they're in danger it's like he's just like his urgency is like just kind of trotting along just you know <laughs> oh no let me get away from this steve is steve is like the t1000 but in but if they took like but if they took any emotion and drained it like it's just he's like he's like a moron version of the t1000 because so, he just sits there and walks around in scenarios he's like he's like whoa that's whoa that's crazy all right everybody let's mobilize let's take this let's take this son of a bitch out and you're like whoa steve you're like this is whoa man are you where are you from man listen man steve communicates with just function in mind he gets his ideas across in the least amount of words possible steve is steve is german like stereotype to a fault like oh my goodness And the, the other characters, like, we got Mark, who just fucking feels like the director brought his kid to work that day. <laughs> it's so great. What the fuck is Mark doing here, man? He <laughs> just fucking, looks like dude, this. He fucks off for half he of the movie. Leaves. He leaves. Mark just dips halfway through the movie. And Perry just walks around like he can't blink at all. And, <laughs> and fucking Grandpa talks like he's forgotten his lines and is reading them on cue cards like just right next to the camera i love it i love it my favorite though my favorite uh well cindy's my favorite like character but like i will say not to be left out in the cold the mom cannot act she is the worst the mom the the, jesus the mom says words at the same speed with no inflection her act like her like the mom like has a also a fucking hilarious breakdown. Like I can only see one side of her face and like her volume, it just stays the same. It's so, so funny. It's oh, so her great. performance is amazingly bad. We're already you know what? We're already in the cons and we're already in the bad actor cons. So I'm gonna jump into it. And we're and we're we're already tearing this apart. So the mom in her bad acting. There is a moment, and I'm not going to spoil anything. There is a moment where the mom is asleep, 
and someone is getting bludgeoned to death by the killer <laughs> next to her. That. And she, I, I shit you not, listeners, I shit you not. She legitimately, while sleeping, opens up her eyes, makes eye contact with someone being bludgeoned to death, and just promptly closes her eyes and goes back to bed. Dude, like, her, Hell yeah. her react, her, just the mom in that scene. It's like she just took a huge hit out of a bong, fell asleep, and was, like, waking up because she thought she heard something and then just went right back to sleep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's exactly if you're high as a kite and you wake up at 1.30 and you just hear a bump and you're like, oh, what was that? And you just, like, go out and you don't see anything. You go, eh, whatever. You go back to bed. Same, same thing. I bet you what the director did was – he was like, you know, maybe on like day three, day four, whatever, and saw like the mom's performance. And he was like, oh, this isn't good. Let me just write something in. She's going to be in a coma for the entire movie. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it's They kind of went, oh, sorry. Sorry, Margaret. I know that you were like ready to act. and You had been hounding me to get into a movie. But I think it makes sense that your character's in a coma for 80% of the movie. I'd, hey, I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. <laughs> well, dude, was there anything else you wanted to mention about the acting? Because I have the a big fucking negative with this movie Go that I'm ready it. to get into. Fucking D- the audio in this movie <laughs> is downright atrocious. Now, we're no masters of audio over here, even though we run a fucking podcast. But the mixing in this in Darkroom is just terrible. The music and the dialogue, they fight each other for your attention. And some natural sound effects, like like birds chirping, overshadow the people talking, and it makes it so hard to hear. I seriously wonder if they didn't have anyone on set who was recording audio, some of it straight up sounds like they just took the, the audio from the camera instead of like the boom operator with the audio recorder. There were so many times in this movie where it would be like three people in a room having a conversation and it sounded like the boob operator was eating a taco in the other room. Like it was just, it was so bad. I was like, I, who, who's in charge of the sound, man? Because <laughs> can we get him to like, I don't know, wake up and participate? Because Jesus Christ. Yeah, and dude, sound is one of those hard things with like a lot of like independent films. It's just one of those things you don't really think about. Like you don't you don't notice good sound, but you do notice bad sound. Like and for instance, in one of the first scenes of the movie, we're in a kitchen. The audio sounds so tinny, and it's just the people talking, and it's not like tinny in the way that like late 80s early 90s films were it just sounds absolutely atrocious and to top it off we also get freaking mouth sounds when people are kissing it's so disgusting yeah it's like it's like nightmare asmr it is like nightmare asmr because it's just wet mouth kissing sounds and i'm just like the foley artist was just having a field day it's, and you sorry oh. you might be thinking that it's not oh that's not a big deal but it is it is actively distracting the audience me and mike from understanding plot details and character moments like 
For instance, there's one scene where Steve asks about Janet's father and her dad died like 10 years ago in a fire at her uncle's house. No one knows how it started. And I really wish I could hear because this fucking loud music is playing. Who the fuck did the mixing in this movie? I cannot understand anything that is being said. And this is supposed to be like a really nice tender moment between two lovers but i can't hear it because the music is so fucking loud i might add music in here so you understand how annoying it is my favorite my favorite example of this is when cindy janet and steve are like walking outside and they got a fishing pole and they're like we're gonna go fishing but first we gotta go check on someone and they're like oh She's run off with this other guy. And they're like, oh, tell me about this guy. And they're like, oh, well, he's like this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, sounds like this is exposition for someone who's potentially vital to the story. And you're like, oh, okay. Then in comes the sound. And it is just a 30 to 15 seconds of just sound. And you just hear, you just see mumbling and their mouths moving. And then they go, well, all right, we made it to his house. And you're like, I don't know shit about this dude other than he's a little weird. Like, it's okay. Cool. All right. We ball. Why not? <laughs> that really seems like one of those situations. Cause I've made, I've exported cuts of films where it's like, I accidentally added one keyframe that I wasn't supposed to. I hit export. And then I start watching it and I'm like, why is my audio getting loud? And then I go check my time. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. But that's why you watch it before you export it. And then you just kind of figure out a way around it. Like it, I could talk about the bad audio in this movie for days, but we can't record for two hours. So uh, Mike, were there any, other, was there any particular negative you wanted to focus in on? Uh, oh my goodness. Oh, well, we already got to the audio. Um, Cause oh, I can talk about oh. the writings. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, this is a good segue into the writing. This will go from like the characters to the writing. Mm-hmm. Outside of Steve, the characters, the siblings in this movie, I don't know how the fly and fuck they're related. Because, and again, and again, I totally understand the argument of like, hey, you know, movies are going to have some breaks from mm-hmm. like from like actor to actress. Like, you can't have an, an actual whole family there. Like, it's just not, that just doesn't work like that. My God, you can't have a you can't have a pasty ass white ginger fire crotch guy next to a dude with jet brown hair who looks like he's from Sicily next to a blonde five foot nothing white woman next to a five foot eleven brown haired woman. I'm like, who are these parents? Because they have every recessive gene in the book. And like the mom was the dad's got to look like a freaking NBA player. And the mom's got to look like a fucking Roblox character for there to be any goddamn bridging. It makes no sense. Yeah, dude, it there is no way these people are like you couldn't have just <laughs> so, cast a little bit better. Cast like, people, cast a bunch of white people with brown hair. That's all you had to do. Like, I'm not saying I'm like I'm all about 
diversity, spreading the love, getting as many people involved as possible. Motherfucker, even attempt to make it work. Good Lord. <laughs> like, yeah, and so getting to the writing, in a weird segue, um, the only characters that are really given anything are Janet and Steve, and, you know, there are moments I have trouble hearing because of the fucking audio. And the pacing with this movie, there are moments that this movie just fucking drags. Like the title sequence I mentioned earlier, after about two and a half minutes, I was like, okay, I, I get it, let's... Let's get to going. And it feels like there are scenes in this movie that are literally just padding for time. Just random shots that serve no purpose just to add to the runtime. And mm -hmm. it just ruins just the flow of this movie. It it loves to hold on certain shots. Like there's one in particular where it's Steve and Janet embracing inside the house. And it's over and it's got the windows open. It's overlooking big california like mountains over mm -hmm. in the background and it's a really good shot like like all hats off to them it's a great shot oh my god it takes so long i'm like y'all move on I was, like, I was like it has been 30 seconds we gotta keep moving past this i understand it's a good shot you're not one car why fucking keep moving but you want to know what they don't focus on mike it's the fucking kills so mm. let's talk about that because mm -hmm. we mainly get shitty sound effects followed by like a random cutaway and someone screaming we get like a gentle axe swings and some shooting that we don't even see and like i said there was maybe that one kill where i was like okay that's pretty cool and and as well as with uh what mike mentioned which we'll talk about in the spoiler section well, mike yeah what do you overall I Oh my goodness. The kills are very disappointing. I'll I'll be the first one to say it. I'll jump right in front of this. The kills are very lazy. I feel like lazily done. It feels mm -hmm. like they kind of sat there and looked at each other and kind of like, we're really digging this story here. Come on, let's get the kill. But like, come on, this story is kind of cool. Like, it felt like they were just really feeling the story and they just ditched the kills until they realized they're doing a horror movie and not a freaking drama. Mm -hmm. So, as a result, the kills are always so quick. Like they actually feel like the uh, the kill in like I mean, like the kill in like a Hitchcock movie, where it's not mm -hmm. actual, doesn't show the violence. It just implies it, shows the shows the motion, someone screaming, and then it just cuts to the next scene. Like that's mm -hmm. it. Which again, it's not that's not bad. Like those those are cool kills, but like. Come on. It's a schlocky make, 80s movie. Come yeah, if, on. Kill if someone. A, if you're making a B movie, <laughs> kill someone. Michael Flaherty. Uh, when, you're <laughs> when you're making a schlocky B movie, you kind of have an expectation that you're going to see some like schlocky kills, maybe an overuse of blood. Maybe that's more of like a grindhouse movie versus like just a bog standard slasher movie. But there's still that expectation there that we're going to get something kind of cool, like an like an arrow through the throat or a axe to, you know, on someone's head, you know, kind of like the, the standard slasher things that we see, but we don't even really get that with this movie. Exactly. We're not asking for terrifier. Like, Gretchen, that'd be great. But it, fucking awesome. we're, we're, we're not shooting for the moon here. We just, just something showing a connection 
and like a oh no as they die like that's that's sufficient come on we're not we're we're addicts here we don't we we don't need the good stuff we need the stuff like it's just yeah so the kills definitely disappoint me with the two exceptions that we have already listed and there's not even a whole lot of blood it's kind of just like you see a dribble and then Mm. you're kind of like ah, that's it which is yeah. So, Mike, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get into our overall opinions on the movie? Uh, okay. Actually, I'll He's totally, I'll He's totally jump more. in on this one last. I got one in the chamber, boss. No. So, I didn't really pay attention to the VHS cover, and I did not watch the trailer uh, because I wanted to go. I like to go into the. I like to go into movies like this ice cold. Mm-hmm. Like, unless I am so giddy, I can't contain myself. I will go into the movie ice cold. Then I'm going to, then I go through the other stuff. That's usually my like method because I did not get it spoiled. It comes out of the, the killer comes out of left field in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. The killer, when you go, when you go, Oh my God, it was you. And then it pans over. You're not like, no kidding. It was them all along. It's literally like a, him them him her how the fuck how mm-hmm. hoopsed wherepsed why did why it's it, there's no lead in that makes you go of course mm-hmm. ah yes piecing it together ah it makes sense now no you're kind of like holy holy shit what what <laughs> no <laughs> like yeah. it feels better it feels like they did purposeful misdirection and they kind of just went we got to have some misdirection for the killer and they didn't follow through on anything clever outside of misdirect. Yeah, it does. It doesn't make any sense with what they chose. Again, I'll talk more about it in the spoiler section because I'll talk about individual character moments. But I think the best way to describe Dark Room is just kind of downright averagely bad. The only mm-hmm. atrocious thing really about this movie is the audio. And the only cool thing about this movie is the title sequence. Everything else kind of falls into this weird middle ground of bad to just meh. The acting is bad, but you know, it makes it makes me and Mike laugh. And the kills, like we said, maybe like one or two good ones, and it just slogs along at time. And there's enough of a plot here, I guess, to make me say like a movie two, maybe? Maybe pair this with like some older movies we've covered, like A Night to Dismember, um, I Dismember Mama, uh, but definitely Microwave Massacre. I feel like this movie kind of falls in that same Microwave Massacre vein. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. In my opinion, it's this is an 80s horror movie that was made for jack shit. It's, you can't expect much. You can't expect much from it. Like, what the hell did you expect? It's not It's not My Bloody Valentine. It's not Chopping Mall. It's not freaking Nightmare on Elm Street. No, you're getting what you thought it was. It's and and that's not bad, but it's also sure as hell not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that this is a movie too. I agree with the microwave massacre pairing, but the microwave okay. massacre is number three. The chopping mall pairing of number one. I think that's mm. the golden trio for like as we have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it definitely all kind of we have that that through line of cheesy 80s movies 
Chopping Mall is absolutely the best of oh, yeah. the three. It's like, it's honestly, if you're interested in garbage 80s movie, freaking Chopping Mall mm-hmm. all day, all night. Oh my Lord, go watch Chopping Mall. All right, guys, we're going to be getting into spoiler territory now. So if you want to go watch Dark Room and then come back here and we'll get to talking about spoilers. All right. You're gone because, Mike, it was Perry. It was, it was Perry. Perry. You, you know Perry? You know you, you, you know Perry, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the other brother. It makes perfect sense if you don't think about it. Exactly. That was my favorite thing is they just is literally just as Cindy is getting is like hanging out with Perry. The reveal that it is Perry. You're kind of like going. Wait, what? You're kind of like you guys stop and go. How? It's like because Perry doesn't do anything weird throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. He doesn't sit there and like. Do he barely even expresses his love of photography. Like he no, it literally is only like it. when he picks up the camera and like that's yeah. it. Like he doesn't sit there and like, cause Steve is like a photography nut. Mm-hmm. And I understand this is the movie's way of sitting there being like, Oh, oh, oh keep it on your toes. But like, it feels so half-assed because I'm like, you never told me that Perry like fucking photography and they never, and the movie didn't do a good job of making Perry seem suspicious in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, like it just I felt half-assed yeah it doesn't work because like we like you said we don't see scenes of perry being creepy and you know standing outside their house it just comes out of nowhere and makes zero sense like why why show somebody standing outside of a house being creepy like because they, they do that at the beginning i guess it's george standing outside the house being creepy why have that? And also, why the fuck did George jump Steve and just run away afterwards? Was it because he was scared? Like, when you watch it and you get the reveal and you start thinking about the movie as a whole, like, you don't stop thinking about the movie when it's done. You kind of think about it for a little bit. And if it, your twist doesn't make sense, then it's not a good twist. And it also isn't a good twist if you show what happens in your fucking trailer and the key art on the VHS. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. They they really shat the bat on that one. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. <laughs> it's yeah. Dude, no, anyth- it, yeah. I was Go gonna ahead. say I was gonna say if Dark Room proves anything, it's that there is a breaking point with any movie. You see, I've been thinking about this for a while, like since we started covering movies, since me and Mike started doing this podcast and kind of on my own as well with some of the movies I've seen. Like this idea of like the ending of a movie can save it like you watch a bad movie but then the ending makes it a good movie you hear about like you know the ending of a good movie ruining it but then you rarely hear about like an ending saving a movie and i do think that there is a point in every bad movie where you just lose hope and you're like oh fuck it i'm already here might as well finish this like there's no like oh like this can still turn around then it doesn't and when you get an hour in, you just kind of hit a point of no return where you can't recover. And in my opinion, with this movie, that was Perry being revealed as the killer where I was like, OK, fuck it. Nope, there's no turning around with this movie. Yeah, no, it just feels it's like if you've spent half of your day hiking up for this to this like snow, like, I don't know, for to, to like ski down this path. And you're like, oh, boy. 
This is going to be so fun. I can't wait for it. And it's a fucking bunny hill. You're kind of like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping something interesting would come out of this, but okay, fine, whatever. It's great. I'm here. I'm stuck here. Might as well finish it. It mm-hmm. feels very... They had the opportunity to take George and do something with George. Not that George was an interesting character, but they could have built something around how Perry was screwed with George. Perry, like, framed him or something. You could have mm-hmm. tried to make it stick or something like that. Honestly, you could have even... If you gave George more lines, more opportunities to be weird, you could have made George the fucking killer. Who cares? Yeah, like, why not? The f- well, like, why the fuck not? It's just, they don't explain anything. Like, George is just... The way they make portray George in the movie is just they portray him as a weird menace. Like, he just tackles Mark out of fucking nowhere. Mark's just minding... For all intents <laughs> that and purposes, shit was funny. Mark, is, Mark is minding his own business, fucking trotting down the street on his little bike, just like, oh boy, I can't wait to go to the cops. And then just... Like a like Travis fucking Kelsey, he just leap tackles him across the street, and you're like, "What the hell, George?" And then after the movie, I'm like, "Dude, what the fuck did Mark do to you, man?" Like he was just minding his own business. Well, man, let's talk about when Perry gets got at the end of the movie. So we right. got uh, Steve that just fucking rams him with a big metal just. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck did he stab him with? I think it was. It looked like a railroad spike. Like it was just wild. <laughs> it was but, giant. But the, for me, it was like I was so I was so iffy about this kill because there could have been so much more interesting stuff done to it. Like I think Steve getting the final kill travesty. I think that is a travesty. Why the ever-loving shit is Steve alive? He could stay dead. It's fine. It should have been Janet to get the kill. I feel like that is just Final Girl 101. Like, the Final Girl gets the kill. She, like, wins, saves the day, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, like... We got that in the dark room. Now, granted, the dark room kill was not anti was not the climactic like kill that I wanted, but it was at least a creative, different kill. Like the rest of the kills were all just knife in something or mm-hmm. all sharp object in something. Which again, that's not bad. I'm not expecting like for it to be like saw level of creativity, but it could at least it could at least spiced it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But. So I was so ready for it to be a darkroom kill because I'm like, oh, perfect. Name, darkroom, photo, be, photo, photography being like the main through line for this whole movie. Oh, yeah, perfect. It makes the best sense. Duncan drowning him in like solution. I'm like, perfect. We are here for it. Mm-hmm. And then, nope, you just get stabbed by a railroad spike by Steve. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. Just by we Steve. Really Fucking Steve. He's here. Whether or not you'll want him to be. <laughs> well, dude, man, I, I got nothing else to say about this movie, Mike. I don't know if you have any more any more points you wanna you wanna mention. Boo but, Steve. Dude, boo. boo Steve Boo Steve indeed. But guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you like 80s schlock, go check out Dark Room. Um, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mess Up Midnight Podcast. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You guys know the deal. Stay up to date with what we got going on. Mike, do you have anything that you wanna tell the people? Uh, make your killers cooler. Make, don't make them weird dudes. 
<laughs> don't make them parry. Don't 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 make do them not- parry. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.